Here's Dustin Brown. Through the middle to Ayafalo, and they score. This is an All the Kingsman post-game podcast. This is off the stanchion behind the goal to Foley. Checks Carlson. Kings have the puck. A shot through traffic. Wouldn't go through. Kopitar to Kovalchuk. They score! Now, here's your host, Jesse Cohen. We are here high above the ice in the Bob Miller Press Box at Staples Center. Joining me tonight, Jack Jablonski. How are you doing tonight, Jack? Doing well. I'm entertained. Uh, we got best case scenario. <laughs> we did. Um, Three games in a row now. Three games in a row. Entertaining. Yeah. Competitive. Yeah. Goals were scored. Uh, one goal game, you know, within, within well, the last few minutes. For, yeah, kind of. <laughs> and then we got one point. Yeah. So we're good. Or zero points, I mean. We got overtime, didn't we? Oh, the, well, not tonight. But yeah, the, yeah, no. Yeah, we yeah. got zero tonight, yeah, but yeah, yeah. in the three games, we got one. Yeah, so, I mean, look, <clears throat> this was never going to be an easy game. The Washington Capitals are the defending Stanley Cup champions. Alexander Ovechkin is a Russian machine that never breaks. We all know the script. Um, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he, he scored two goals. Each one could have happened at any point in his career. It's the same, <laughs> it's the same thing. You know, it's, you know, you said it perfectly. You know, it's going to happen. And you know it's coming. You, you can't, can't stop def- it. Yeah, you, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just insane. I don't know how many goals he has. Um, and Kovalchuk <laughs> scored one, so I, that was nice. You know, I'm sure he yep. wanted to have one, and it came not exactly the same as Ovechkin's, but it did come on a one timer on the power play um, with an extra man. Yeah. Now I've said this privately before. I'm not sure that I've ever said it on the podcast. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Indeed. Um. The part of my brain that is prone to believing in conspiracy theories thinks that, and it's a small part, I just want to preface <laughs> with it, but it's there. Uh, if you told me that there were members of the LA Kings ice hockey organization that were freezing out Kovalchuk and deliberately not passing him the puck on the power play, I'd believe you. because Because we're 60 games into the season now, more or less. And look, he's not Ovechkin. But he's got 13 goals, and a lot of them have come off one-timers on the power play. And you see that goal he scored tonight. And it was pretty simple, right? He was there at the top of the umbrella. They got him the puck, and he and he whipped it in the net. Yeah. And, you know, I pointed out earlier in the season there was a play where Doughty, at the time I went ahead and believed that it was by accident, there was a play where Doughty, you know, shadowed him perfectly and prevented him yeah. from getting the puck. There have been plenty of opportunities on power plays where you where he's open. Or maybe if he's not perfectly open, at least he's available for a pass. And you figure, look, he spent six point whatever to get this guy. Using, <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I, 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 I know everybody wants to focus on the whole using him on the fourth line and blah blah blah. But look, even strength, you know, it's going to ebb and it's going to flow. But this team has been dreadful on the special teams all all year long. Jim Fox even referenced it today during the pregame show. And prior to that Kovalchuk goal, this is a Kings team that went over on the power play and allowed a, a power play goal on every penalty kill they had. Um, so I don't know. I don't think it's a conspiracy theory, but I think it's just more so chemistry. I think you know Kovalchuk has spent his whole life doing exactly what Ovechkin is doing. Right. And you look at a Kings power play, who was pretty good last year. I don't know. I can't remember right. off the top yeah, of my head. Like yeah, it was fine. Or something. Yeah, but that's. I mean, it's fine. It's yeah. in the NHL, and it was something that had to be, you know, concerning when other teams take a penalty against the Kings. This year, I think you look at the addition of Kovalchuk's uh, 
uh, ability and talents on the power play. And then you look at what was so successful last year on the power play. Uh, they don't add up. And when I say that, I mean, you know, Kovalchuk is very used to just doing exactly what Ovechkin does. His sticks at his waist waiting for a one timer where last year, I think the Kings were a little bit more in and out, up and down, pass, pass, pass. And then, you know, throw it to Carter in front of the net or throw it to Brown in front of the net, yeah. you know, a little tic-tac-toe where that's not as much of, you know, what Kovalchuk is used to doing. So I think you look at, it's just kind of, Two different styles that are trying to be merged into one and, and still, unfortunately, haven't been found uh, to work together yet. Well, gosh, that sounds like a coaching issue to me, Jack. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I'm not the coach. Uh, no, it's, it is, it is, but at the same time, you know, we've gone through two coaches now and yeah. neither of one has figured it out. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> we, that, we them's, have, them's the jokes. Yeah, but then at the same time, you know, personnel-wise, we haven't figured that out. Uh, it, you know, we, we we used to have Carter there, then we had Brown, and then we had Aya Follow spent time there. Toffoli has spent time in front of the net. You know, the top three aren't really going to move unless you want to move Kopitar down to the bottom of the circle. Uh, beyond that, you know, Kovalchuk's going to stay where he's going to stay because of his ability and his uh, you know, his history there, which is quite successful. And then Brown or uh, Doughty's always going to stay at the top of the key. So. Those two are those two aren't moving, and Kopitar is likely not going to move as well. It's a matter of those three have to sit down and figure it out because those three are the people that you want the puck on their sticks, and time in and time and time again, it, it just has not unfortunately worked. I, I I used to say this all the time in the past, and I I don't even think even when they were winning uh, cups and contending every year, I I never quite understood. You have Andre Kopitar, who, when he's in between the dots and in the in the crease in the slot area, is one of the most dangerous guys on yeah. the ice. And routinely, the coaching staff feels, in their infinite wisdom, to place him as far away from the net as <laughs> possible, whether it's at the top of the umbrella. And look, power plays are you know are sort of in my mind the equivalent of a baseball batting average, right? Like, yeah. You know, even the best power play clicks only one out of every four, maybe five times, um, or I should say five, maybe four. Um, so, I mean, it's easy for any fan base and any team to, to pick apart their team's power play because even the best power plays fail three times more often than they succeed. Yep. But yep. having said that, unless you're Vancouver in 2012, <laughs> right? Um, but having said that, uh, you know your your solution, which is they need to sit down and talk about it and sort it out, <laughs> is not that difficult to solution. Like you're right. No, you, you know? spend a lot of time together. You should <laughs> yeah. be able to kind of <laughs> say, "All right, this is where I'm comfortable. This is where you're comfortable. Why don't we do this, this, and this?" And it, and it yeah. really is. It's one conversation, but at the same time, it, it is more complicated than that because every defense sure. has a different style. Every you know team plays more aggressive than the other team or more conservative. You know, even you know with the Ovechkin, you know, to put him an example. Half the time you see teams just put a guy on top of him and say, fine, we'll play you four and three, but Ovechkin's got to do it. Right. 30 seconds later, somehow Ovechkin has <laughs> yeah. the puck and it's in the net. So it, it gets more complicated. It's, you know, it isn't just one conversation. It isn't just one practice of, you know, pass, pass, pass. All right, here we got it. Let's do it the rest of the season. Uh, with that said, you know, they're all making north of $6 million. You would hope that you know, somewhere along the lines, you know, you can build that chemistry. And as of right now, they're all on co under contract for at least two more years beyond this. So it's something that has to be figured out, whether it's now, whether it's during the trade deadline, whether it's in the off season, uh, because, you know, 
within a week, we're going to know what the future holds. Um, and assuming that those three are on the team, that's going to be the power play. That's going to be the first power play. And that's going to be what is going to be leaned on to score goals uh, at a you know one and four clip. And you look at this season and you look at the Blues and the way they've turned their season around and, and stormed into a playoff spot. You look unbelievable, the, by the you, way. You, well, I mean, they've, oh, they've got talent. <laughs> yeah. <Tarasenko. laughs> but, but you look at the Kings season, you look at their power play, you look at their penalty kill, and you look at the rough start. And I think, you know, we were talking to Dennis Bernstein at dinner tonight before the game, and yep. he said if they went 5-5 five and five to start the season, they'd be in the playoffs right now. Now, I think... Which is crazy to think. I mean, it's, an, it's a bit of an oversimplification, yes. but I think his argument is, you know, if they didn't get off to that horrendous start, then they don't panic and the things don't snowball and maybe the coach doesn't get fired and the trades don't happen and you still have this team and blah, 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 blah. But I think the Slippery point, slope. Yeah, but I mean, where I'm with him 100% is the, the places where this team falls down, and we talked about it last game and we saw it in the Vancouver game, um, are the margins, right? The, the, the extra parts of the game that require that extra bit of focus, determination, effort, the, the whatever e-word, you want to call yep, it, e-word. you know, so that you don't, you know, get scored on every time you have a penalty kill so that you don't give up a goal right away after giving up the first goal of the game so that you don't give up the fourth goal after giving up the third. You know what I mean? Just like, yeah, it's just, it's every opera. I guess basically what I'm saying is the Kings never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. <laughs> and, uh, well and, said, well said. And those are the sorts of things that you, you may not be able to put a pin straight directly onto the board through the coaching post-it, but those are the sorts of things that are a sign of a team with no control, right? A team with no driving focus, with no organizational control. I don't want to use yeah. the same word I just used, but you know what I mean? Like... And so, and so to me, I just watch these games now and yeah, the trade deadline's a week away and, and, and I certainly wouldn't, <clears throat> there, there is no solution to this problem right now. This is one of those things we're just going to have to wait until probably August or maybe September, right? Yeah. So, cause, because you're going to have to wait for the playoffs to roll through. You're going to have to wait for the minor league playoffs to roll through. You're going to have to wait for juniors and Drafts. the Memorial Cup and the draft. You've got to know what the roster looks like. Then you're going to have to do an extensive coasting shirt. So, I mean, this the 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 quest to sort of co you know to to finalize the the front office has to come before the players from from my perspective and and there's we just have to wait so i mean that's it we're playing the waiting game yeah that and it's unfortunate because uh, as any fan who you know supports a team that isn't un- that isn't winning like the kings right now yeah. you you want to see instant change and you want to see some major moves at the deadline, but that's not always the way it's going to work. You know, sometimes it has to come through, you know, the youth and the development within the organization. Sometimes it has to come through a draft pick that, you know, there were minimal expectations and they come out of nowhere, you know, a fifth round, a sixth round guy, you know, it was like today you were looking up Anders Lee. Yeah. You know, you'd think this guy had 40 goals last year. He's the captain of the Islanders who were in first place ahead of the Washington Capitals. (laughs) Where did he come from? You know, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Sixth round pick. I'm just going to throw that one in there. Uh, but no, a sixth round pick. It's yeah. it's players like that that make the difference. And it's it's the scouts. It's the the development. It's it's the minor league coaches. It's all of that that plays into you know how we get to where we are now. And you know Kopitar. You know Kopitar doesn't need as much coaching as maybe you know a third round pick. 
that comes up through the organization. But at the same time, you know, sometimes that third round pick is better than everyone else on the team. So it's it's a long road. And, you know, we don't know where this organization is going yet. We will have a much better idea come Monday. But with that said, you, you know, everyone has to understand that, you know, this has been a bad year. We had the expectations <laughs> that we we're going to make the playoffs. <laughs> Um, but the the opposite can happen next year. It, yeah. it takes you know, it takes one to two players to to come out of nowhere, and here we are back in in the race next year. Uh, and you know, we we mentioned it earlier this week. You look at uh, Vancouver and uh, Pedersen. Oh I always feel gosh. like I'm saying his name wrong. It's, no, I'm it's never... Elias Pedersen. I know. I just, always, it. Even when I say it right, it feels wrong. But anyway, well, you know, Peterson, but I mean, like, et But a guy like Kupari could absolutely come in here next year, right? He spent mm-hmm. his, his first year that he could have spent as a rookie in the NHL. Yep. He spent it in Finland. He's having a heck of a season. Yep. You know, why couldn't he come over here? And I'm not going to say he's going to be as good as Patrick Laine, but why couldn't he come in here, solidify the second line center role, and, yeah. and be, you know, uh, yeah, so just anyway, Mr. Consistent. You never know yeah. what happens. No, so. and that's exactly it. Is you know we have people in the minors, we have people overseas that that are all under the Kings, you know, jurisdiction. And you know, like both of us have said, it, it takes you know one guy to surprise you. You know, where did Matthew Barzell was taken 16th overall? No one expected him to do what he did last year, and no one expected him to follow it up this year. You know, maybe they had a better idea of what you could see out of the guy, but. I mean, it's just the consistency, yeah. and that's the that's the big word, consistency. The Kings have been so another incons- hallmark of coaching. Yeah, yeah but that, yeah, uh, but the, the consistency, like, and I can go off on this for hours, but you know, players, whether you're making eleven million dollars or three million dollars, you know, consistency is huge. You know, Ovechkin's had what ten forty goal seasons. That's why he's so good. It's not because he goes fifty goals, ten goals, fifty goals, right. ten goals. It's consistently being at the top of your game, knowing that you're going to be defended. You know, Kopitar hasn't had the best year. You know, it, we would have loved to have it be a little bit more consistent. Uh, there, and that's just one of the many examples. I'm not yeah. just pointing him out. It's top to bottom. The roster just hasn't been consistent. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that really just sums it up. No, and when you when you sign a contract that pays you $11 million a year, you are essentially signing up to be singled out. So, I mean, yeah. you're right. We don't mean to single them out, but there's a reason our conversation's constantly you know, revolve around yeah. Kopitar, Brown, Carter, Dowdy. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, yes. if Trevor Lewis doesn't score 40 goals in a season, nobody's shocked. Yeah. But if Jeff Carter, you know, disappears for seven games at a time, we're going to notice. Yeah, you notice. Well, and that's the thing is it's you, the money you get paid is is where your production has to be shown. Yep. And whether that means, you know, you're a locker room guy that, you know, is the best lockdown defender in the NHL or – you're, you know, Alexander Ovechkin, who is made to score goals. And if you don't, that's on you. If you don't score 35, 45 goals, you're letting your team down. You know, we signed, you know, multiple players to large contracts. And as of right now, this year, it, it hasn't lived up to, to the expectations. So this is the last home game before the trade deadline. It is. Um, you and I will not uh, record until following the trade deadline yep so let's go ahead and play a little game of uh, who's gonna get traded <laughs> who's gonna get traded you want to go first uh yeah well i'll ask you okay. uh so we'll start I, I we're gonna we're gonna work on the assumption that everybody but dowdy and kopitar are game because okay. that's what we've heard yeah um so let's start uh in net because uh, it's easier. Yep. Uh, Jonathan Quick. What do you? What are your? Uh, what do? What do you think the odds he gets traded are? Low. Uh, how about we? Let's do a percentage instead okay. of odds. I think that makes it a little right. easier. 
I'll give Quick like a, a 20% chance because I, I just contract wise the the injuries that he's sustained over the last three years I think it's a hard bargain um you know he he spent time out this year he spent a significant amount of time out the last two to three years as well so I have a tough time believing anyone's gonna want to swallow that contract even though we have seen greatness even this year when he's played well I'll put it at 33 just because Columbus Pittsburgh, Montreal, Carolina, and even sort of Buffalo, although not really. But, I'd, I'd count Buffalo out. Of yeah, but sauce. but Carolina, Montreal, Pittsburgh, and Columbus, four teams fighting for three spots. Yep. And Columbus still needs to, to figure out <laughs> the got to figure out their situation. Thing. Yeah, it's a. <laughs> and I mean, I know. Boy, are we happy we're not in that organization <laughs> yeah, right now? Yeah, people keep telling me it's a you know oh you're in you're in your Xbox trades and it's like look. Columbus needs a goalie, and yep. there's one available. So I'll put it at 33 just because I sure it just makes too much sense to me. And as I've said before, I don't want it to happen. I like Quick, and I think, as I've said before, I think he's one of the most important uh, members in franchise history. But uh, yeah, so I'll put it at 33. Sure. So yeah. we'll move to the blue line next. Uh, Alec Martinez, I suppose, is the highest profile. I would agree. Uh, defenseman with any sort of reasonable value what do you put the percentage at for alec martinez so this one's complicated because of the injury mm-hmm. um you know they say he's i believe week to week right jesse i think so one or two weeks yeah out, they said, so yeah. that that makes it a little harder to move because of the unknown and as everyone in the nhl knows no one tells anyone anything when someone's injured <laughs> yep unless it's a concussion uh or i don't know cancer maybe uh oh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, they do. Is that that can come up? I guess uh, so. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> so uh, with the with the Alec Martinez situation, I'm going to give it about a sixty percent chance he gets moved. Okay, I think that if the Kings are going to say they want to go younger and they want to go more towards a rebuild on the fly, I think Martinez has to go, and I think it's because of the contract. They have a, a little bit more room now that they've moved a few contracts in Muzzin, Pearson, even a little bit in Nate Thompson. I think that would give them a little bit more freedom. Um, so with Martinez, I'm going to go 60 because I, I just think that he's a piece that you know needs to be moved even though he, he won us a Stanley Cup. There's a team that it's not as clear a line as quick to Columbus is in my mind, but there's a team that needs defense – and has a huge expiring contract on the blue line at the end of the season, and he's not coming back. And uh, we just played them the other night, and that's the Boston Bruins. Zdeno Chara is like 42 mm, years old. Good thinking. And he's gone at the end of the year. So they have. I just don't see. I also, I don't. Yes, I, I, I get the depth. But I don't see him as a replacement. No, 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 I don't mean as I don't mean as a replacement. But here's their but here's their blue line. Uh Tori Krug with two years left. Zdeno Chara uh is a forty two year old unrestricted free agent. I doubt very much he'll be uh resigning in the offseason. John Moore has five years left. Kevin Millar, Matt Jalchik, Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, Stephen Camper. So I mean they have a bunch of guys. They have a bunch of guys. And, you know, Charlie McAvoy is obviously great. John Moore's fairly decent, I believe. Yeah, um, he, he's a he's a solid depth yeah, defenseman. But but Alec Martinez going to the Bruins puts him where I believe he probably belongs, which is one of the league's better 
third pair defenseman. Whereas on yeah. this Kings team, he's going to struggle to be. He's a first a and a half, pair second defense. pair defenseman yeah. on this team, and that's because uh, the Kings obviously lack depth, and yeah. that's been one of the downfalls as well this year. So I'm going to go ahead and agree with you. I'm going to put it a little bit higher at seventy okay. percent, just okay. because yep. he is. He's got term. He's got a friendly yep. deal. If the cap keeps going up, like everyone keeps says it's going up, then his and his contract is gets better a and better bargain, yeah. <laughs> every year. And like I said, he is. And this is honestly how you win cups. If he's on your third pair, he's one of the best third pair defensemen in the league. Yes. If he's on your second pair, well, he's an okay second pair defenseman. And that's a great point that you bring up because I think that's something that can be misunderstood or even more importantly looked over. Um, because you know when you have an Alec Martinez who can play a third pair defense, you know he's not matching up in a, in a perfect scenario. He's not going to have to match up against your top line, so he's not going to have to match up against the the who's in that division, the Kucherovs, the uh, Matthews, the Matthews, the Tavares. Yeah, he can match up against your third line. He can match up against your fourth line if you know whenever that comes into play, and that gives him the opportunity to be more aggressive, to be more like the Alec Martinez we saw in 2012 and 2014. Um, when he scored a very memorable goal in Kings history. Yeah, and, and he's the kind of guy I think that GMs talk themselves into because he's got the pedigree, he's got the history, he's you know he's a clutch player, right? He's a big moment yep. player, right? With and the he's game still young. Goal. He's got yeah, miles yeah. left. Absolutely. So I think that's a pretty high uh, likelihood. Um, I, I mean, I guess we got to do enough. I'm going to go ahead and say zero. Zero contract. I just, I just don't think anybody. Actually, no one wants it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it for the blue line, right? I mean, everybody yeah. else on the blue line, everyone's an Ontario rain or, yeah, or I mean, Oscar Fanberg forward. I just don't think is very appealing to many people <clears throat> in the terms of, uh, make putting a playoff push, I guess yeah. you could say. I mean, you, there would have to be a team that was utterly decimated and just needed warm bodies. And mm-hmm. every other defenseman would have been, and uh, there's no knock on Derek forward. It's no, just, not at all. You can find. There's a lot Derek of Derek Forbert. Forberts in the NHL. And Probably and again, every team has one on yeah. hiding oh, yeah. in their roster or something. Very much so. Um, so we'll move to the uh, to the forward core now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and add Dustin Brown to the list. Sure. Because A, okay, yeah, yeah. I don't think there's any need to, and I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's go ahead and start with Kovalchuk, though. Okay. 33%. Okay. I think the contract is a is a complicated one. Yeah. Uh, just because it's six point two, which is a large number to move. It which, is. Which would mean either the Kings would have to swallow some of it, mm-hmm. most likely, or that the Kings would have to take back uh, a decent sized salary. Um, he's a good piece uh, for whoever's going to get him if they were to go for it. I think he's a great you know power play guy if used in the correct <laughs> in the correct uh, strategy or you know puck yeah. movement, etc. Uh, but at the same time, I just don't know if the Kings want to give up on him and, and I don't, I guess give up might not be the best word because he hasn't disappointed me. At least I think he's been fine. I think the, the team itself has just disappointed, has been disappointing. Um, so I think they're, they're okay with him here. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, how well is everything in the locker room with him and do they feel that they can get, you know, quality, you know, back in two to three years can they compete in two years when Kovalchuk is still supposed to be on this team and if they can't you know move him for as much as possible what percentage did you say 33 okay I'm gonna go 20 okay only because 
the contract is so daunting. It is, yeah. That even if I was... I mean, so the issue is for me, even if the Kings retained 50% of it... Yeah, you're looking at 3.1, which is still a lot. And he's not... You know, he's not... Jerome McGinley in the twilight of his career or Rick Nash well, in the twilight of yeah, his, right? Like, and if I you acquire him, he's going to come with expectations. He's coming with expectations, but he's not a Swiss Army knife. Right. You could play exactly. Jerome McGinley on the uh, – you could play him on the penalty kill. You could play him on the fourth line. You could play him on the third line. You could put him on the first line with Sidney Crosby. That I don't think is what Ilya Kovalchuk can do. I think you have to have a perfect situation exactly. for him, a perfect scenario. You know, your power play is extremely, you know, low. It's bottom of the league. It's right. struggling. Or, you know, oh, we have these two guys that can always get him the puck in the offensive zone. Beyond that, I think it's impossible. And the contract isn't the only stumbling block. The other issue is you're going to have to find a team that's, A, willing to take on, con- you know, the contract, even if it's 50%. B, that has the lineup uh, situation that like, can you, benefit him. That, like you described. And then C, is willing to give up assets to get it. Right, because yeah. you're because looking the at Kings a, aren't gonna just be yeah, like, oh, we'll, we'll yeah, take we'll, a third pick, and PS yeah. will pay for half of his yeah, salary, and we'll like, take no. a you know a thirty year old vet. <clears throat> no, exactly. it's that it's youth, and uh, forgot what I was gonna say, but it'll come to me. I it's think. tough. So, so yeah. I, I put it a little bit lower. So, moving down to the second line, uh, let's go ahead and say uh, Tyler Toffoli next. Seventy five. Wow, I think it's a seventy five percent chance. Wow, I think. If you can go young uh-huh. and you can get picks or you can get prospects that are uh, coming with expectation, mm. I think it's the right move. Uh, I think this team is going to have to go extremely young in the future. And, and Tyler Toffoli by no means is old. He's got, you know, he's in his prime right now. Uh, but I just don't think it's worked lately. And I know that it's been the whole, you know, the with Carter, without Carter stat that's kind of, you know, been daunting uh, in, in the last, you know, few weeks or so. Uh, but I think it's just time to move on. And by no means do I think it's that he's you know, underperformed to an extreme degree where it just isn't right. I just think the fit isn't there anymore. And I just don't think he has the support that can make him benefit as best as possible. The fit was there four years ago. The fit was there three years ago. It was even there last year. I just don't think he is a guy that can create enough on his own to become what he was in the past years with the help of jeff carter in his prime if this were three years ago or maybe five years ago i'd have said a hundred percent because he used to be the kind of guy or i shouldn't say he used to be but the league used to covet at the deadline guys like him right every team would be oh well we need another scorer and he's 26 years old and he's got a year and a half or whatever left on his contract and he's scored so many goals and blah, blah 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 now because of the bum year and because skating has always been his weakness and because we live in a league where every GM right gets, you know, all hot and bothered when they think about <laughs> speed and, and guys that can fly. Yeah. So, and on top of that, the only thing I have heard, you know, as far as behind the scenes rumors or scuttle, but the only thing I keep hearing repeated over and over and over again is, that they want to hold on to him for one more year because they believe that his trade value will be higher next year. I don't know if that's true or not. You know, you you hear all sorts of crazy things in a season like this. Yeah. Um. So I'll put it at 50 just because it's easy to say everything in life is 50-50. It, it either will or it won't. Yeah, <laughs> but I have, gambling, I have, right? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But I have no real feel for it. So uh, that brings us to the elephant in the room, and that is Jeff Carter. 
Exhale. Uh, inhale, <laughs> exhale. This is this is the most complicated one, right? Yeah. You know, he's got the playoff experience. He he has the cups. He at times shows that he hasn't lost a step. Twice in his career, he's come back from a 0-3 deficit in the playoffs to win the yeah. series. Name name how many people have done that? Uh, Him and Mike Richards. Yeah. as far as I know, <laughs> yeah, one's still in the league. Yeah, uh, <laughs> where in the world is Mike Richards? Uh, no, it's this this one. I I think so many people just don't know what to expect because. Yeah. This is a large contract for a few more years, and that's what makes it tough. You know, if this was his last year, I think people would be a little bit more willing to take it on. I'm going to have to go with 25%. And I wish it was higher because I think that it'd be great to move him just from an organizational perspective. Um, But I I just think there's nothing there that shows you that he can put enough together from a consistent standpoint of game in and game out in a playoffs where you're playing every other night. And obviously I don't think he'd be on the first or second line if he were moved, which would benefit him more. But it, I, I think it's just a hard bargain with the contractual obligation of taking what he has. I'm going to, I'm going to go at 0%. Mm-hmm. And I, I think Jeff Carter represents to me the sort of, it's sort of the evolution of of my position on players, contracts, and what they owe the the sporting world. You know, when I was a younger man, uh, if a player had a contract dispute with the team, I would sign with the team mm-hmm. because I was a fan of the team and yeah. I felt personally slighted somehow, even though the player was looking out for himself his family every other player yeah, yeah, in the yeah. union. you know what i mean yeah, like, like oh you ripped off the team You're yeah not worth eight million dollars <clears throat> so now exactly so now that i'm much older <laughs> and <laughs> and uh matured have had contract disputes of my own i look at jeff carter uh and i feel i mean i don't feel too bad for him he's got a great life he's got two cups millions of <laughs> dollars a beautiful beach. wife yeah. he's got a couple of kids and some great dogs but you know this is the narrative i tell myself in my head he gets drafted by Philadelphia. He comes into the league. He meets his best friend. They win a, a championship in the minors together. They come up to the big club together. They, you know, they accomplish this incredible feat. The media, they happen to be playing in a town, a, a filthy, terrible town with insane media and ludicrous fans. I second that. And, and so naturally they turn on him because that's what Philadelphia <laughs> does. They turn on everybody. Um, they'd eat their own if they could. And, and so he's chased out of town, right? And there's all these rumors about, oh, you and your buddy. And, and the team makes an absurd proclamation that, that everybody in the locker room is deciding not to drink. And, you know, led by Chris Pronger, I think. I mean, I believe that was the rumor was that there's, the locker room was split down the middle between the Mike Richards faction and the Pronger faction. There's the whole dry island story. And honest to God, if I was Mike Richards or Jeff Carter and the team came to me and said, you can't drink anymore on your off time, I wouldn't sign the thing either. I'd say, I'm a grown man. You pay me money to play hockey. Now, yeah. You're not my mother. You're not my <laughs> nanny. So anyway, so you get the market turns on him. They sign life, what they believe is lifetime contracts. I'm sorry I'm going long on this. They be- sign what they believe are lifetime contracts, which to me is an unbelievable sign of loyalty, right? Like in an era where the cap goes up and up and up and up and up, and every four or five years you can renegotiate a contract to pay you an, abs- a new- an absurd new amount of money. He and Richard signed, and granted they got well paid, 
but not as well as they could have if they hadn't signed those 12-year contracts or whatever they were. And then right before the trade, the no-trade clauses kick in, they're unceremoniously shipped off to different cities. (laughs) So here's a guy who did everything you could want, and he's sent to a town he doesn't want to play in. The fans turn on him there, right? And, And they decide they hate him, too, because according to the Columbus fans, he wasn't good enough. He could have been the best player in the league, but he decided he didn't want to be the best player in the league. How did, Sorry. How did, how did that work out? <laughs> yeah. So he comes to L.A. He wins the Cup twice. He, you know, gets hurt. He, you know, comes back and plays through pain. And then there's a bum year. And then now the team's talking about trading him. And if I was him, I wouldn't want to be traded either. Yeah. Like why would I? Why at you've this point in my, you know here. what I mean? Yeah. Like you've been you've been dicked over by two different franchises. <laughs> the league has shown you no loyalty. Fans in two different cities have shown you no loyalty. Ownership has shown you no loyalty. Your form, you know, your other fellow players have shown you no loyalty. And suddenly, a bunch of fans in the three hundreds are saying, "You should agree to go play in a city where you're where away from your kids, away from your family, in crummy weather." Because it helps our franchise that made <laughs> that made poor contract decisions that have nothing to do with you, right? Like he yeah. he arrived here, contract signed, sealed, and delivered. We knew what we were getting, and we knew the consequences. Mm-hmm. Or Dean Lombardi knew. We didn't have anything to do with it. <laughs> so so if I'm him, and I have an opportunity to send a message through Bob McKenzie, you know the propaganda machine of Bob McKenzie. Sorry, everybody. Um, yeah, I'd threaten to retire too. Um, <laughs> The problem is I'm a Kings fan, and so I hate him for that, right? <laughs> because I don't want him to retire. I want him to, you know, mm-hmm. to go get traded so that we can blow this team up and start a rebuilding process. So it's tough, man. Um, so I, so for all zero? of that reason, I give it a zero just because, honestly, if I was him, yeah, I'd retire. You know, somebody said, we want, you know, sorry, we're trading you to Carolina so you can go be part of the storm surge. I'd be like, nope. <laughs> said, no, nope. guess what? I'm getting paid either way. So I'll just hang out here with my beautiful kids and my beautiful wife and my yeah. dogs on the beach. Um, and I don't, you know, on one level, I don't blame him. On another level, it drives me up a wall. So mm-hmm. I just think it's if I'm another team. Why am I going to sacrifice a high draft pick or a prospect or something for a guy who could at any minute decide, eh, I'm done. Yeah, I've had enough of this. Yeah, um, <laughs> no, it's it's very unlikely. Yeah, uh, it's it's hard to imagine anyone would go after that, especially with some of the other opportunities on the market. Um, anyone other <laughs> on the market? Uh, it's just Jeff Carter. It, it's unfortunate for him because he, he's had injuries that have kept him from being jeff carter in the yeah. past few years and uh, because of that I, I feel like he's behind the eight ball and you know as you get older it just gets a little bit harder to come back day in and day out and play at the level of uh, expectation or at, at the very most play second line minutes against you know very good teams and um at times he's found himself behind the eight ball in that category and uh, i think that brings the draft stock down and i think it's hard for the kings to move him um, with the expectations of getting something that can really benefit them in the future. Yeah. Um, I think that it's pretty much anybody that's been talked about among the forward core. I mean, I, every now and then you see somebody say, oh, they should trade Trevor Lewis because it's an extra $2.5 million in cash space. Or, oh, trade Clifford, it's an extra 1.4. Hey, I, look, the, the only reason you do that is if you get you know something like Brian Boyle got. Yeah. You know, they're like, all right, we'll send you a second-round pick for right. for Trevor Lewis or Kyle Clifford. It's like... You know what? I, I hate to do it because he's been so loyal to the Kings, but it's it is for the better yeah. of the organization. Um, beyond that, I don't think 
anyone is really, I don't know, appealing, uh, or at least something that people would talk about of, of ben- benefiting an organization yeah. uh, in terms of uh, making a playoff push or making the Stanley Cup Finals. And as far as the uh, peripheral guys, you know, if it's the same thing with guys like Leipzig or Amadio or Cliff, you know, or, yeah, you know, if the if the offers there, okay. Yeah. But if it's not, nothing is going to be groundbreaking. Nothing's going to no. be extremely effective uh, in terms of you know producing something for the future. Uh, so, and I, the cap's I not really an issue anymore. So. No, not anymore. Which is a good problem because then they can go crazy in uh, the offseason. Sign potentially. <laughs> well, you don't want it, but <laughs> well, I mean, well, <laughs> no, that's I... <laughs> for another day. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. go back to podcasts. Uh, <laughs> no, it's. It, I don't have high expectations for this deadline, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because I think it's going to be harder to move than people think just because of uh, the level of appeal. Um, but we'll see. I <laughs> Trade deadline does crazy things to people. It does. And, you know, as I always say, whenever somebody says, oh, this isn't going to happen or that's never going to happen or this would never happen, I always say, in a world where there's 31 GMs who are, you know, calm, collected, have job security and a track record of making good decisions you're right yeah some of these things would never happen but that's not the world that's we live n- in <laughs> no sir it is not and rob blake has never been shy to pull the trigger he's made a lot of yep. moves in his first year and you know three quarters or you know two-thirds and it's been throughout the whole season both years so who knows i mean you know, he's an active general manager and yep. you know it made it got us to the playoffs last year unfortunately so far it hasn't you know worked the way that everyone expected this year um but who knows? You know, then again, we're only what ten points out. Yep. <laughs> so maybe he makes some, you know, general manager of the year type move. That's going to do it for now. <clears throat> we'll talk to you uh, soon, Kings fans. But uh, for now, for Jack Jablonski, I am Jesse Cohen. Thanks for listening. <laughs>